ever, ever going to let anybody down in this room. God, you're never going to let your people down. It may look sometimes like you don't give us exactly what we want, but God, you always give us what we need. And Lord, you are awesome, and you're powerful, and you're here. So Lord, we have gathered to sing to you, to give you praise. And now, God, we need your help to concentrate on what you would say to your people through your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. How are you? All right. I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 10 this morning. Luke chapter 10. Thank you, praise team, for leading us in worship. I do want to say by way of an an announcement um, concerning that, uh, I have some bad news and some good news. Um, The young man, Seth, uh, Seth, who has been leading worship for us the past few months, has felt like God has called him to go uh, serve at a different church. And uh, he did a phenomenal job uh, this summer helping us, and I think he grew a lot and learned a lot. And uh, we probably learned some things from him. And uh, I know our choir absolutely loves Seth and believes in him. And so that's sad for us. It's good for him. Our church... Uh, played a role in sending him out. And so we can say that we kind of were a, a worship leader factory. And uh, I know that's really sad for many of us, but here's the good news. Well, it depends on who you are. Alabama, earlier this year, now if you don't like football, still pay attention, okay? There's a point. They sent 22 people to the NFL earlier in 2018, okay? Now look at them. So, we're just going to reload. We're just going to wait on God's best for our church and leading our praise team because we have so much talent, oh my goodness, already here in our church. And so we just need God to raise up a leader from somewhere. And I believe God has somebody in mind. And we're not going to settle, and we're not going to let anything Uh, stop us from waiting and finding God's best for our church. So that's good news. All right, Luke chapter 10. Sitting at the Lord's feet. Sitting at the Lord's feet. In first century Judaism, uh, rabbis would teach, and they would go from town to town, and sometimes they would go into a home, and they would sit down on a small pillow or a small chair, and all of their disciples would gather around, and they would sit on the ground. They would just sit down. Sometimes they sat just right on the Break something. Down like this, and then if they were close to a wall, they would lean up against that wall and put their feet out in front of them, and they would listen to those rabbis. And they hung on every word they taught. When they taught the Bible, they listened. They would focus. You know, in Luke chapter 2, we saw this in Luke chapter 2. There was a little boy that got left behind when the caravan out of Jerusalem left. And that little boy was found at the feet of a rabbi. And that little boy was Jesus Christ in the flesh when he was about 12 years old. And even as a child, he set the example for us. What he wanted us to do with our lives is to sit at the Lord's feet. And today, the risen Lord Jesus is our rabbi. And he's inviting everybody to come 
and sit at his feet and listen to the word of God. You know, this rabbis would ask questions to their students and generate discussion. And sometimes they would ask questions trying to really incite debate to try to pull out uh, things out of those students. Paul used this term in Acts chapter 22 whenever he said that he had learned at the feet of Gamaliel. So Paul used this term as a a concept sitting at the Lord's feet. So I want us to think about that this morning as we see this passage. You know, the Mishnah is a collection of Jewish writings uh, that really, uh, we would say, is not inspired. It's not biblical. It's not Uh, It's not the Word of God, but they were just a collection of historical documents from rabbis, first century, uh, really before Jesus and after the Lord, during a 400 time span. And this Mishnah has a quote in it from a rabbi who was born 200 years before Jesus was born. And this is what it says, quote, he says, let your house be a meeting place for the rabbis and cover yourself in the dust of their feet. And drink their words thirstily. That's a good word, isn't it? Thirstily. Drink their words. I'll ask you a question today. Is your house a meeting place with Jesus Christ? Where you abode, where you stay, your apartment, your condo, your bedroom, your house, your chair. Are you covered in the dust of his feet. Are you sitting with him? Are you listening to him? Are you taking his yoke upon you? Sure, you may be doing a lot of things for the Lord, but are you sitting at his feet? Am I sitting at the feet of the Lord? Are you drinking thirstily from the fountain that never runs dry? I think of the word thirstily. I think about two-day football practices in central Mississippi in the summer. And up in central Mississippi, those of you that are from there, there's a lot of pine trees, the pine belt, and the wind does not blow like it blows here on the coast. And it was hot. And and these small public schools would put a pipe, put holes in the pipe, all down the pipe, and and put it up, and all the football players, just like a bunch of cows, would come and drink out of the, the pipe. But on those really awesome special days, they'd mix up some Gatorade the orange Gatorade, the original. Well, man, that was a time of celebration. Today, some of you are thirsty. You are. You're thirsty. You're thirsty for a lot of reasons. Maybe you just have a lot going on. Maybe you're just flat out tired. Maybe you're in a season of wondering. Maybe you're in a season of brokenness. Maybe you're distracted by all the things in this world. Maybe you're distracted by good things. And you've forgotten your most important purpose, and that's to abide in Christ. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42, we see a famous story about Martha and Mary. John's account tells us that Jesus, quote, loved Martha and Mary and who was the brother? And Lazarus. The Bible says that Jesus loved them. The humanness of of the Lord, I believe, 
the human side of him, they were his close friends. He had a connection with Martha and Mary and Lazarus. There was something special for him, the, the humanist side of the Lord, connected with these three siblings. He would call them his BFFs for F and F. They were his friends. Let's read together Luke chapter 10, verse 38, all the way to the end of the chapter. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary. Or we can say it like Jimmy Stewart, Mary, Mary, like it's a wonderful life who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So Mary was sitting at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. See the kind of relationship that Jesus had with her as a friend? She could just be honest with him flat out. Tell him, tell her, Lord, to help me out. Verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Wow. I'd like to share with you four dope truths about this passage. Some of you dope with something that happened in the 70s, but today, in honor of Jolie leading worship, I'm going to use that word. Four dope truths from this passage. Number one, are you ready? Number one. By the way, dope means very good to some people. Number one, starting well, starting well doesn't mean you finish well. Starting out well does not mean that you finish well. Look at verse 38. It says, they went on their way, Jesus entered the village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. You see it? She welcomed the Lord. I mean, she was the first one there at the door. She met him out in the courtyard before he got to the house. And she said, Lord, you come to my house and we're going to take care of you. We're about to to throw down. We're about to cook some food. We're about to play some board games. We're going to pray. We're going to hear the word of God. Whatever, God, you want to do in this house, it's yours. You can do it. Whatever schedule we got going on, we're stopping everything. And we're going to listen to what Jesus has to say. She started out awesome on this specific day. Lifeway Research, I learned this week at the convention, 50%, 50% of all American pastors will be out of the ministry in the next five years. 50%. 250 pastors quit every single month in America. And not just pastors quit, church members quit too. According to Outreach Magazine, on, on every single Sunday, given 
about every single Sunday, less than 17.7% of Americans attend church. 17.7%. Our nation started out as a Christian nation where most people went to church on Sundays. And now, only 17.7% attend church. So, it's easy to start out well. And by the way, if you're saved, you're going to go to heaven for all eternity. You have the Lord and nobody can take him from you, not even your own self. So, you're good, okay? I mean, you've got the Lord, you're going to heaven for all eternity. You're sealed with the promise. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. So, that's not in question. But what is in question is that every single day you have to decide again whether you are going to abide in Christ. Now, if you're born again, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. But you've got to wake up every day and say, Lord, I want to be all about you today. Because, see, you can walk, and the Bible calls it that old flesh, can't you? You can start listening to the voices. You can start going back to that old way of life. And so every day, you and I, we have to wake up, We have to rest crucified and die to our fleshly things, our fleshly nature, and say, Lord, I want you to live through me. You see, everybody wants to serve God and do things for the Lord and unto the Lord, but that's not the point of life. How God worked it out was for him to do a whole lot of stuff through you. And may God give us the sense to understand the difference. We can do a lot of things for the Lord, But God's not really impressed by any of those things. Now, he loves it. He's glorified through it. He is pleased when we serve him. But what he really wants to do is for us to be conduits, for us to be vessels for him to work through us. And very few people understand that crucified life, that Christ-filled life. It's a mystery, Paul calls it. Things that start out great but in bad. I made a list of a few things that start out great but in bad. A boat. A boat. If you've ever owned a boat, it starts out great, but it's not it's not if, but it's when that thing is going to break down. Church bus the same way by the way. <laughs> Cuz it just sits in the parking lot for weeks at a time. Tires dry rot. Another thing that starts out great but ends bad, fruit stripe gum. Anybody ever had that stuff? Fruit stripe gum? It's strong, and it's like, wow, there's like fireworks going off in your mouth, and then the flavor flees. Another one, street food in a foreign country. Monopoly. Hanson. The boy band from the 90s. The M- the Mbop guys. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about? They started out great. And they're trying to come back. They're trying to finish well. Now some things that last. Some things that last. Chocolate. <laughs> when we get to heaven, we need to find Milton Hershey and kiss that man on the cheek. Chocolate. The Price is Right TV show. I mean, it's still going. People just love that show. Another thing that lasts, the church, the universal church. 
The Bible says the gates of hell are not going to prevail against God's church, against God's chosen bride. Nothing can stop it. No president, no country, no democracy, no dictatorship, no evil, no people, nowhere, no how is going to stop the people of God. Now, just because the universal church is going to make it spiritually, it does not mean, it does not guarantee that you will finish well spiritually. You'll go to heaven, but God's saying today, hey, that fire you used to have, you used to be on fire for the Lord, it's time to get that back. And you know what? The Lord's saying to you and me, he's saying, I haven't moved. I haven't gone anywhere. You're the one that's moved. You're the one that's been distracted. You're the one that's backed away. You're the one that's drifted away. And the Lord's saying to us, hey, I'm here. And I want you to come and sit at my feet. You and I will be as close to the Lord. Church, hear this. You and I will be as close to the Lord as we want to be. Did you know that? You and I will be as close to the Lord as you want to be, as I want to be. It's not anybody else's fault but our own. So the ball is in your court. It's in my court if we want to finish well. And it is God's will that we finish well. Did you know that? God wants you to prosper in your spiritual life. He wants you to have peace that surpasses. He wants you, even in the trials, to have a smile on your face sometimes. Not always. Sometimes you're just going to cry through the valley. That's okay. God understands it. He's in the boat with you. But he, he desires that you finish well spiritually. That's God's will. Number two, another dope truth from this passage. Number two, we win when we sit at the Lord's feet. We win when we sit at the Lord's feet. Look at verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary. And look what she was doing. Who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Mary, she understood the moment. She had proper perspective. It did not mean she didn't care about the casserole in the oven. It did not matter that she was try- that uh, Martha was uh, scrambling to find some places for all these people in her house to sit down. And, and there were some very serious needs that, that needed to happen. Uh, people needed to find, uh, needed to have water to drink or something to drink. Or they, people uh, will be parched and people will not focus on the Word of God. There were some serious issues, and, and it does, the Bible does not say that Mary didn't care, but Mary understood the most important thing that was going on. Do you understand today that God has a purpose for your life? Young people, do you understand that? God has a purpose for your life life. Senior adult, do you understand that you are still here for a purpose that God wants to use you on this planet for the glory, for his glory? 
Do we understand today that the only thing that's going to last in this life is what's done for the Lord? It's not going to matter about your child's soccer team and how many uh, points they scored. It's not going to matter if your daughter got a softball scholarship. It's not going to matter if your kids made straight A or honor roll. It's not going to matter what kind of degree they have, what kind of job they have, what kind of clothes they have, what kind of car they have, what kind of boat they have. It's not going to matter. The only thing that's going to matter is what's done for the Lord. That's it. The only thing. Do you understand that? Do I understand that today? That the only things that's going to matter 100 years from now is what you did for and unto the Lord. Or better yet, what he did through you. Do you understand that? When we abide in the Lord, we win every time. He is awesome. He's good. Number three, another truth from this passage. We lose when serving becomes a distraction. We lose when serving becomes a distraction. Look at verse 40. But Martha was distracted. I love the Bible. It's just so straight forth. Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him. And she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me? We learned in Luke chapter 8 a few months ago that worry, worries, the, con- the concerns of this world will do what to the Word of God? Choke it out. Worries will choke out the Word of God, and the Word of God being the seed of God that falls on your life. And if you let it, worry will choke out the Word of God in your life. We lose when serving becomes distraction. You know what else happens? We become a victim. We play the victim card. Oh, poor pitiful me. Look at Martha. She says, she left me to serve alone. She started playing the victim card. Oh, man, she, she don't care about me. I'm the victim here. Life's not fair. Nobody loves me. God has forgotten about me. You know what else we gain? Whenever serving becomes a distraction, we gain a critical spirit. Look at Martha. She says, Lord, she left me here. She left. She is critical towards her sister, Mary, and Mary didn't do anything wrong. She may have done something wrong, but in that moment, she was doing what was right. You know, we're like that when we lose our perspective. We gain a critical spirit. We start having that critical eye, looking at what we would do and how we would do it differently because we assume that we know what's best. We assume that we know what's better than so-and-so. Critical spirit. There's nothing wrong with positive critique, or critique in nature. But when you have a critical spirit, it becomes sinful, becomes judgmental. We lose when we, uh, when we become distracted, when serving becomes distracted, and we become not a good friend. Martha was not a very good friend to her sister in that moment. We become not a very good church member when serving becomes a distraction. 
when we start saying, our way is the best way, we become arrogant and entitled. Tell her to help me. She told the Lord what to do. How dare her? Now, she did have a friendship that was a very special, close-knit. But she told the Lord, king of the universe, king of the cosmos, more powerful than any president, any king has ever been. It's not even close. She says, you tell her what to do. I mean, I'm sorry, I got distracted by the microphone. Tell her to help me. She became entitled. Tell her to help me. And I love the Lord. You know, many times in the, in the Bible, whenever they say a, a name twice in a row. In fact, when they were drowning, they said, Lord, Lord, right? And, and when Jesus was going to emphasize something to, to Peter, he'd say, Peter, Peter. And so I love that the Lord, he understood Martha. He loved her. And he, he's so gracious. He says, Martha, Martha. In other words, he says, look, I've got something to tell you. So when your neighbor st- steals a clementine off, your, off the tree in your yard, just walk outside and say, neighbor, neighbor, what are you doing? <laughs> That's what the Lord, he says, Martha, Martha, my sister, come here. Look what he says. He says, you are anxious and you're troubled about all these things. And I believe he was saying, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter if people get popcorn late this evening. It's not going to matter. All these things that you want people, that you want to do for the Lord, even if her motive was pure, to make Jesus happy, it's not going to matter. There's something bigger going on here. She had God in the flesh in her house. The Lord says, but one thing is necessary, Martha. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The teaching that Mary would receive at the feet of Jesus would never be taken away from her. Nobody could take that from her. No matter if she got thrown in prison, no matter what tragedy came onto her life, Mary's time learning at the feet of the Lord will never be taken away. 2017 LifeWay study found that 87% of American households, 87% own a Bible, but only 53% have read little of it. It's time, church, for us to get in the Word of God. It's time to sit at the feet of the Lord and drink in His manna. This Eat the manna of God. Drink from the living water. I'd like us to turn quickly to Psalm 16. If you, if you have a Bible, Psalm 16, we'll look at the first six verses. Psalm 16. This Psalm David is writing, and obviously he was facing some difficult things. And Psalm 16, verse 1. He cries out to the Lord. He says, Lord, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, 
and I have no good apart from you. And then David says, As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. And then he says in verse 4, he talks about those people who are worshiping other idols. He says, The sorrow of those who run after another god shall multiply. In other words, running after these idols that we can have in our life, if we continue to run after these things, then our heart will become sorrowful. You think you're sorrowful now? Just keep chasing these empty things. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. Verse 5, the Lord is my chosen portion. The Lord is my portion, David says. He says, he's my cup. He says, Lord, you hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. You know, even in the church, even in uh, the Christian Bible Belt, we can do things for the Lord that seem good and honorable and biblical, but if we're not careful, they can distract us from the main thing, and that is to abide in the Lord and let Him abide in us. Number four, the last truth we'll look at from this passage. Number four, we can exchange our sin for his portion and his purpose. Did you know that? We can exchange our sin for his portion and his purpose. We can trade it in. We can trade in our mess and our garbage and our selfishness and our flesh and our false motives, and we can trade all that stuff in for God's portion and God's purpose. The Lord said, Martha, Martha, what I have for you, my sister, is guaranteed forever. It's guaranteed. It's guaranteed forever and ever and ever. He says, Martha, if you spend time with me, if you'll learn from me, if you'll heed to the Word of God, then it will be a better investment of your time and your energy and your emotions. If you invest in time sitting at my feet, he's telling Martha, you get a way better return on your investment. It'll impact your family more, and life will be good for you. You know, the rest of the story is this. In John chapter 11, Lazarus became ill and he died. And we find in looking through John chapter 11 some incredible things about Martha. She shows great faith. So maybe on this day she started out well, then she got sidetracked, and she kind of really got all messed up. But the good news is, is that if you go to John chapter 11, you see that she traded in all these things for, for that good portion. And she showed great faith. Now, she was still honest, and she still had her common sense, and she still was very practical in John chapter 11. But the Bible tells us that she believed. She believed that God gives Jesus whatever he asked. She believed that Jesus' explanation of the resurrection of the dead. She believed that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God, who had been promised in the Scripture. She had great faith. She went from a person 
who transformed from a person who was distracted and who had little faith to somebody who was focused and who had great faith. And that can be you today. That can be me today. Maybe you're here and you say, man, I don't have a clue what you're talking about because I don't know Jesus. You know, it was Billy Graham that said that, uh, I think it was higher than this, but I'll go conservative. He said 75% of the American church this, in church on any given Sunday, 75% is not saved, is not born again. 75% of church attenders on a Sunday do not know the Lord. Now, let's say he's just kind of, he's, he's, this is Billy Graham, okay? Let's, let's be really conservative for, for us today. And let's say that 50% in our church today, 50% of everybody sitting in here does not know the Lord. Now, let's be, let's be more conservative. Let's go down to 25%. 25%. I don't know how many people are in here. 120, 130, I don't know. Let's say that just 25% of everybody in here, that'd be over 20 people, over 30 people today sitting here may not know the Lord. Sure, you may know church. You may grow up, grew up in church. You may attend church. You may... Be a good guy or a good lady, a good person, a good friend. Jesus told Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you cannot inherit eternal life. Today, friend, if that's you, no matter your age, no matter your background, I want to invite you to come to the Lord. You just come just as you are, and you say, Lord, God, I want to confess my life of sin. God, I want to confess that my whole life until this time I have spent running from you, doing things my way. And God, today I want to come in repentance. And God, I want to believe in Jesus for my salvation. I want to put all my hope and all my faith in the Lord. And God, I want to receive this free gift of salvation. If that's you today, friend, don't you let anybody, anywhere, anytime, keep you from coming to know Jesus today. You come, you walk this out, you grab a pastor by the hand and say, Pastor, I need to receive Jesus. You can do, do it there in your chair. You can respond to the gospel sitting in that chair, but then you need to make that public. You need to come tell somebody somewhere your decision to trust in Christ. So let's recap. Number one, starting well does not mean you finish well. Number two, we win when we sit at the Lord's feet. Number three, we lose when serving becomes a distraction. And number four, we can exchange our sin for his portion and his, por- his purpose. I hope that God has encouraged you through his word. An old hymn titled Only Trust Him by John Stockton. He was a Methodist Episcopal church minister in the 1800s. He penned this song. It says, Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. And he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. Only trust him. Only trust him. Only trust him now. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you now. For Jesus shed his precious blood, rich blessings to bestow. Plunge now into the crimson flood that washes white as snow. Only trust him. Only trust him. Only trust him now. He will save you. 
He will save you. He will save you now. Yes, Jesus is the truth, the way that leads you into rest. Believe in him without delay, and you are fully blessed. Only trust him. Only trust him. Only trust him now. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you now. It's God's will for you to be in close fellowship with him. If you're not today, friend, if you become so distracted, God is not yelling at you. He's not throwing stuff at you. He's just simply inviting you. He's saying, child of God, child of God, come back to me. Come back to me. We can accomplish a lot for the Lord. We can. I mean, we can be creative. We can use good leadership principles. We can work hard. And we can accomplish a lot for the Lord. But when we sit at his feet, when we listen to him, when we obey him, he will do wondrous things through us that no mind can fathom. And he'll do it for his glory. Let's pray. Father, as we enter this time of response, God, you're, you're here. Father, you're here. God, we know your word does not return void. So, Lord, as people, as we are all here gathered, God, as we need to make decisions, God, we need you to give us some of that Holy Spirit courage to be honest with ourselves, to be honest with you. God, if there's somebody in here today that's never made the decision to receive the most awesome, precious gift in the world, God, would you save them? Would you open their eyes to help them see their need of a Savior? Draw them to yourself, Father, for your glory and for their good. Lord, your word says that you wish that none should perish, but for all to have everlasting life. God, pray that that would happen today in all of our lives. God, help us all as we leave this place to continue to sit at your feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
ask you to be seated real quick. I, I want to 